Craft Beer Radio, episode 117, recorded on Friday the 13th, 2008. Hey everybody, how you doing? Craft Beer Radio starting their fourth year of episodes. This is me giving my thumbs up, which you can't see on the radio. And I'm really disappointed at the, uh, actually, it's funny, I'm really disappointed at the number of DVDs we sold, but the PayPal button didn't work. So That could be a problem. So here's the deal. I will make sure the PayPal button works this time. Please go buy our DVDs. You want to get to Great American Beer Fest? Gas is $4 a gallon. Takes a fair amount of money for Greg to get up here. We need some uh, some influx to uh, do what we want to do for the show this year. Yeah, I mean, no, okay. If you don't contribute any money at all, the show will keep going. I don't want to be. I don't want people to think that they have to do this, or else the show is going away. However, it'll be it more of a investment by us, right? It'll, it'll be a hobby that costs more, and we've been well, doing this for three, three years, and I personally feel. If everybody could donate a couple bucks a month, it would be more than enough to send us to the Great American Beer Fest, more than enough to, to make sure Greg doesn't have to pay for driving up here. And it would just make the show a lot less more stressful and drain on our you know pocketbooks. And maybe it would maybe it would make Jeff more likely to edit the shows a little bit quicker. I, 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 it's not that I never want to edit the shows. <laughs> I have things going on in my life right now. It's called poop and pee oh, and crying. You and your baby stuff. Right. Like like that's ever important to anybody. So we're actually probably going to record two shows tonight. The first show is going to be a Surly Brewing Company Spotlight. This is a brewery out of Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. And the Surly's claim to fame, other than making some pretty good beer from what we heard, is they put out their beers in 16-ounce cans. That's right. So it's the can that's the domain of, you know, crappy malt liquors and things like that. Basically one-pint cans. Yep. So, or we could call them pounders because they weigh a pound. So this is – the first one we're doing here is Bitter Brewer, which this is a one-time release. Actually, it was a one-time release. It Since they made the cans, it's now a production release because it was so popular. Mm. Low alcohol, mild, fair amount of bitterness to it. And, um, you know, the thing about milds when we do milds on the show, these low alcohol beers is can they punch enough flavor in there and not make it watery to, to be something interesting? I mean, I remember, I still am reeling by how great 1809 was last Mm -hmm. week. Yeah, I I think that Berliner Weisses are a little bit different animal. Yes, they are. Think back to the pride and joy. That'd be more of a corollary. Excellent. Good good point. But let let me give you some of the description here that Surly gives. I'm going to try to remove as much marketing speak as I can. This is from their website. Uh, The bitter style comes from brewers who want to differentiate these ales from other mild brews. Enter pale ale and more hops. More gold to copper in color and are light-bodied, low carbonation. Alcohol should be low and not perceived. Hop bitterness is moderate to assertive. Must have fruitiness in the aroma and flavor. Diacetyl can also be present. These are traditionally served cast condition. This is obviously from a can, so that's right. out. Uh, but most breweries have bottle versions. The average alcohol by range is 3 to 5%. This one hits right kind of at the edge there at 5 Actually, on the, on the can here, it says 4% alcohol by volume and 37 IBUs. 
Yeah, four point five is what they say on Beer Advocate. So, and you know, it probably varies a bit. Pale, much. orange in color. This ale gets an intense toasted marmalade character from British malt and American hops. Dry hopping brings floral citrus aromas. So go ahead and get bitter. Get surly. Surlybrewingcompany.com. Orange is a bit of a misnomer here. I would not necessarily call this so much orange as I would call it almost wet cardboard in the color. There is an orange tint to it, but there's some murkiness in there that makes it a bit brown. But the highlights are certainly a nice orange. Doesn't have much of a head here. It's got kind of the... The, I have the a, webby head. You have a larger head than I do. I mean, if you look at my head, it's kind of like webby. Yeah. It's a, it's one of those loose-packed heads where there's large voids of CO2 in the... The first thing I'm getting here was actually almost a pininess. I'm getting um, bread. I'm getting marmalade, actually. Like they said, Maybe it's my subconscious screwing me because I read marmalade, but I'm getting a bit of an orange marmalade type aroma. Maybe there's a bit of that. I'm trying to figure out what the heck that is because there's something on the edge there. It's a little bit uh, a little bit acidic. Oh, oh, take a sip of this thing, man. Screw the aroma. Go for the sip. Okay, what I wasn't quite sure what I was smelling, I'm definitely tasting. And it's... Uh, somewhat reminiscent of sassafras, the sort of the stuff that you make root beer out of. It's okay. got a bit of that, you know, quasi-winter greenish taste without actually going that far. It's got a kind of a rooty complexity to it. Mm-hmm. It has a light mouthfeel, like a 4% beer you might expect. It's, I hate, hesitate to say watery because watery is bad, but we use aqueous when we want to say good watery, right? right? So it's aqueous, which is equal to good watery. Lots of um, caramel malt in there, but it's aqueous, not a Aqueous, essentially, we should def- redefine that, you know, just for people who don't know. When we say aqueous, we essentially mean less full-bodied. It doesn't really come across as a big, thick, monster, you know, oily beer, or it doesn't really come across as a grainy thing. It kind of has a bit of, uh, a bit of well, I mean, wateriness is, is the best well, way I, to put I, it. I but. think we say watery when it's bad, light body, and aqueous when it's good, light body. Right. There's plenty of flavor here to overcome any effects of of bad aqua, of bad orderiness. So that's mm-hmm. why the, the fact that it spreads around evenly and smoothly, and it kind of it has a bit of that quenching power of pure water yeah. gives it that sort of the, what we call aqueous. The combination of the hops and the malt, just like the can says, gives it me this this marmalade, this orange type flavor, this bread and orange flavor mixed together. And then the bitter takes over, yeah. and you get some hoppy flavor, you get some bitterness, and it does clean off your tongue pretty close towards, you know, after it's gone, but it is a, a fairly bitter beer. Yeah, I mean, actually, pretty pretty much more bitter than you'd expect for what the style is, English bitter. It's actually a considerably bitter version of an English bitter, which is not necessarily a very bitter beer. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, I'm trying to place these flavors here at the end because I just don't think marmalade quite catches it. I see where they're coming from with marmalade. I still think that there it's it needs to go a little bit overboard. Imagine Boy, this is this is kind of There's tough. a bit of a a slight 
Now, this is different how I normally use astringency. Normally, I use astringency to, to do porters. This has this little bit of astringency that is remind, reminiscent of the astringency you get from, like, green tea. I'm going to have to taste this because I'm just trying to figure out the words here. Mm-hmm. So I would say they're slightly a bit astringent there, but like a like a light green tea. There's reminiscent edges there of blue cheese. There's definitely kind of a of a French bready sort of malt. So the, the after effect of eating mm-hmm. French bread. There's a slight amount of tartness that I believe comes from the yeast. You know, sort of the yeasty effect like sourdough. Right. This might be can conditioned. I am not sure. And actually, I do have the tools to crack the can open. So let's see what we got here. (laughs) This is the first time we're doing this on CBR. I think it might be. 117. I don't see any real yeast in the bottom of the can. So maybe it is not can conditioned. I was reading about some brewery doing can conditioning. I thought it was surly, but it wasn't this beer. It doesn't appear to be this beer, if it was what I remember reading. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you think like a, a San Francisco sourdough bread, I think that there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you said flavor. French, I was thinking a little more sourdough, a little bit of that liveliness, yeah. that tartness in there. I wouldn't say the beer is soured. I wouldn't say there's an infection in no, the beer it, at all. No, it, it's not soured. But just like sourdough bread doesn't really sour so much as it just got. It has some extra flavors in it that are. It's not a lemon. It, it's uh, it's just got right. I, I I would hesitate to say that the flavors come from yeast or other other microbiota. I think it comes mostly from the hops and a little bit from the grain. A relatively easy drinker. I think it's a bit light on the mouth to be a super drinker. Um, I tend to not like the eight, the more aqueous beers as drinkers. I think that they they fail a bit when it comes to being like. I'm I'm surprised you like since you like Pride and Joy so much. Yeah, I I love this beer. Really, I would buy cases of this beer. Four percent, great flavor. I think there's a ton of flavor in there, a ton of flavor to rival a six percent beer. Not just rival 4% beers. There is definitely a ton of flavor. I'm just not sure if I'm really grokking it. You know, mm-hmm. I just, it, it's... I'm, I'm, I agree. I, mean, I understand. I'm just shocked because you liked Pride and Joy so much. The I one really from Three did. Floyds. I really did. And I'm trying to remember, mm-hmm. recall what the Pride and Joy is like. I seem to remember a bit more of a fruitiness from the hops. Uh perhaps a bit more of a graininess from the, the, the texture. Maybe I'm wrong here in my remembering. Mm-hmm. The aqueousness is not necess- is not a bad thing for a beer. It just for me and I I really, you know, I've I've been saying that, you know, the one thing that trumps everything to me is of course sourness and the next thing that trumps everything is drinkability. And mm-hmm. this one this certainly doesn't have sourness. It has you know, really complex flavors, and that's probably number three or four on my list. Drinkability-wise, it's got, it's got a good bit to it, but it, I mean, it's certainly not one of the most drinkable beers I've ever had. Okay. Well, we disagree because I think this is fantastic and even better because it's such a light, a low alcohol I mean, beer. I, I really do appreciate breweries um, that make these beers that are 
low in alcohol and yet flavorful. So you can have a couple and you're not going to be blitzed because we've talked about this before. But if there's one thing I dislike about drinking beer, it's getting drunk. Mm -hmm. And you ask, okay, hey, getting drunk is fun. Well, no, getting a buzz is fun. And being around friends when you have a little bit of a buzz and you have a little bit of that inebriation in you – that's fun, no question about it. When you've got, when you've gone overboard, you gotten drunk. <laughs> when you do last week's show and you clean up in the post show because Greg has to drive, and you go upstairs and lay down, and the room spins a little bit. That's not fun. It's, it's <laughs> not fun for two reasons: one, because it just kind of feels overbearing, and two, because you know you're setting yourself up for bad things tomorrow. You ready to go into the next one? That reminds me of something I want to talk about in the post show. Um, Actually, there's a bunch of things we teased last week on the post show that we didn't talk about, and I had to cut them all out in the teases. I haven't haven't told this story on the air. Where do you guys hear my Japan story? (laughs) This was unique. Okay. The next beer we're doing is Bender from Surly Brewing Company. Bender. Bender is their American Brown Ale, 5.10% alcohol by volume. One of their slogans on the top of the can, and all the cans, is beer for a glass from a can. So that's that's kind of good. A little bit of education right there to kind of instruct people that, you know, you can drink this from the can if you really want to, but you're probably going to taste a little bit of aluminum from the outside of the top of the can. <laughs> they call this a session beer, 5.1% alcohol. That may be really hitting the edge of what a session beer could be called. Yeah, 5.2 is the limit, so it's just underneath it. <laughs> yeah. There. Uh, they say they add oatmeal to the beer to give it a smooth texture. Well, yeah. When I say the limit, I mean the limit's not a hard-defined line like the Run Heights Kaboot or something. We're just saying the generally accepted line for session yeah. beers is 5.2. We have large amounts of American finishing hops to give Bender citrus hop aroma because dot, 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 we like hops. <laughs> Can't really argue with that, can you? 25 IBUs. Belgian and British malts usher in cascades of cocoa, coffee, caramel, and hints of vanilla and cream. An easy-drinking ale with many layers of satisfaction. They say this beer is an amalgamation of styles that consider a brown-slash-porter-slash-APA. That's an interesting <laughs> blend of styles. Five distinct malts, two from Belgium. So in the aroma, I'm getting a slight hint of cocoa, and I'm getting that sharp CO2 aroma that is cutting into the cocoa. I'm not getting too much hoppiness in the aroma. <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. All right. Imagine an oatmeal stout that then is hit with astringency from a porter that then is like blasted away with pale ale hoppiness. <laughs> the oats really make it creamy. <laughs> yeah. It, it tastes like a light-bodied oatmeal stout. I'm not getting really the rest of the the you know the train wreck that Greg just described, but I'm getting this really creamy flavor. And train wreck is, is, a, is a I don't know if train I wreck of flavors. Train wreck. Okay, uh, a, a gangbang of flavors. <laughs> Why don't we just call it an amalgamation? Okay, <laughs> we'll go with that. I think that's probably more of an acceptable term. Maybe maybe for cromulent we can call it <laughs> something different. Pours darker than most brown ales. Pours porter-ish. There's some ruby highlights in the bottom of the glass. I, <laughs> this is a baffling beer to me just because it, it tastes 
very much like three beers in one. <laughs> it really has a very interesting and I'm not going to say negative, but I am going to say confusing. Is it confusing because you're trying to categorize it and pigeonhole it? Or is it confusing because you're trying to figure out how you enjoy it or what? It's confusing because I'm trying to appreciate it on a certain level and then it changes. And then I'm trying to appreciate it on that level and then it changes again. I would certainly say don't hold this up to any style guide, right? I mean, don't expect it to be a porter or a brown ale. Right. This this would not really win in in a style competition. We're we're just using styles to help relate which characters are coming through on this beer because it certainly is, as as Peter Buchart would say, you know, it's... um, Did I put up his interview yet? I, I don't no think idea. I did. You I need like eight interviews. Or I need interviews. to put up Peter Buchart's interview. That thing was awesome, but he has that you know crusade against styles, and this is a great example of you should not knock a beer because it's not the style. Because this is fascinating and quite tasty. It's definitely interesting. Again, not what I would call a drinkable beer. Way too complex to be drinkable. Because uh-huh. there's there's too much going on here. There's just it. And take a take a big sip of it. All right. Take all right. a big sip of it. I will take a gulp. <laughs> I will satiate your desire here. I will take a big sip and we'll see how much it, how it feels, how it changes. Because so I took a big, quick sip of it, and the aftertaste is fantastic. I'm getting chocolate and getting it. it it's this. Creamy vanilla bean chocolate. It is different if you just take it and swallow it. <laughs> but I don't really like to do that necessarily with a beer so much. I'm getting a fuller, rounder, better flavor. Now, I'm not saying chug it and pour it right down your throat, but take an aggressive sip of it and don't take a small little sip that you're swishing around your gums and whatnot. And to me, it just seems this beer. I think Actually, I, I think you're right. It's kind of better that way. I don't know whether that what what that says for the beer. I'm not sure either, but it brings out very good flavors for me when I take the when I took the quick sip. Like I said, it, all those things I said, it brought out a lot of co- lot more cocoa than the previous sips. All kinds with, of with an interesting amount of bitterness to back that up too with mm-hmm. the cocoa and the oatmeal that it always does seem to add just a tiny amount of slickness and i always appreciate that for some reason i didn't necessarily agree with the oiliness that, mm-hmm. the, that the laurel wood had the, the we had in the pre-show but i really do appreciate the that slickness that right. o- that that oatmeal brings to here's what i think a, a quick sip talks beer. about this beer the quick sip i just took another quick sip to, to try to knit, drill in on this it makes the the late taste and the aftertaste more prominent and that seems where this beer shines. Mm. And maybe that's because, to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of oatmeal stouts. I find that that slickness that oatmeal gives a little bit sticky, not sticky, but slimy. You call it slick, I would call it slimy. That's probably a good way to describe the difference, right? right. And if I do a quick sip, I'm able to bask in these warm cocoa afternotes instead of focusing on the stuff at the beginning. And I tend Maybe to actually, there's flaws in the beginning that I'm hiding. I don't know. I tend to actually enjoy the kind of slickness 
i.e. sliminess, whatever you want to call it, I think that adds something to the texture of the beer considerably when you have all this extra carbonation, other stuff going on. It's uh, a texture contrast that I really do enjoy. So your mileage may vary on this one. Mm -hmm. These beers were all sent in by Surly Brewing Company, which... uh I just had to stop and do a little checkpoint. Like, am I blowing smoke up their ass? Because they said, it? no, I don't think I am. I'm really enjoying these beers. I'm, I'm being honest about everything I say. And so far, I haven't found a beer that really hits me the way I would have really wanted. Well, that's what made me checkpoint, because you're not having the same reaction that I'm having. So I'm like, am I giving them props because I know they're listening? Honestly, I don't think I am. I think, uh, I mean, I'm enjoying the first two beers a lot. Well, I'm not going to say they're bad beers, but show 117, I can say we had considerably better. But I also want to point out that I appreciate the experimentalist, you know, of of Surly just saying, hey, let's make a brown ale porter APA. Oatmeal sound. Oatmeal stout. Let's just do it. I mean, I and I've said it before. I love the audacity of someone mm-hmm. saying, "Let's just do it. See what happens." And then not only that, but putting it out there and really distributing it in in cans. <laughs> there's, there's a whole there's a whole series of audacities mm-hmm. associated with that, right? So that deserves respect, if nothing else. One thing I want to bring up about Surly, I was kind of on Surly's defense a little, about a year ago, year and a half ago, um, right when the Beer School podcast started out, they did some Surly beers out in the Bay Area. And they took real offense to the title Surly. Yeah, we talked about this before. They really were offended by this, this um, craft beer drinking should be a bunch of hippies, flower power, everyone should be friends. And they thought that Surly means you should be rude to your person sitting next to you at the bar and stuff like that. And then they 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 couldn't get past that point of view and they kind of dumped on the beers. It, See, to me, it really mean, annoyed me. And that's also a show that loves like stone beers and arrogant bastard, which mm-hmm. is kind of exactly saying that that yeah. you're not worthy for this beer and they love that and it's like, you know, where do you get off going off on surly? Right. Meanwhile, I see it as you know, we're surly against the norm, the mainstream, right? We're going to shake things up. We're 16-ounce cans, um, porter, APA, oatmeal stouts, and brown ales. Well, and to me, I mean, if they called it FU Brewing Company, it wouldn't matter to me if the beers were good. Right. Or, or we hate people brewing. So we're going to have one more surly coming. Um, Jason Elvey, who used to be on the What Ails The podcast, he opened a beer store up in Minnesota. I've seen pictures of this place. It's called the Four Firkins. It's a what does Firkins mean? Firkin is um, like a cask, okay, cask beer, but with a spigot instead of a pump. I think I think that's the difference between a Firkin and a cask. But he opened up a beer store, and um, I've seen pictures of this place. It's it's beautiful. It's this little shop, but the man loves craft beer. It would be like if I opened a bottle shop up, right? It's like I need to get to Minnesota sometime and try check this place yeah. out. But he's going to send us a uh, glass or uh, some cans of Surly Cynic, which I thought we had, but apparently we don't, because the next beer we're drinking is Furious. Furious is their 
what did they call it? I think it's their IPA. Yes, indeed. American IPA, 6.2%. Now, I mean, I could never own um, a bar slash beer pub slash whatever. I would drink my supply up. So <laughs> it would just, there, there'd be no chance. See, I think I could do it. I have, you know, tremendous willpower. There's a lot of beers I'm aging that, you know, I have no urge to, to crack yeah. open early. So Yeah, I mean, Jeff has way more willpower than I do in this circumstance. We are drinking these, by the way, we should mention, out of regular old pint glasses. Yep, 16-ounce uh, tumbler glasses, American pint glasses, nice and heavy. So the color on this one is kind of woody. Right, it, it's it's sort of more along the, it's not quite brown, brown like you know, you know it's kind of like varnished wood, right? Yeah, it's it's not what you would think from an amber. Well, let's see, I guess it's sort of amber color, but it's amber to brown. Get some nice orange highlights out of the bottom. The head's a little bit tannish, uh, medium dense head. Rome has. Roma, I'm just getting uh, the slightest amount of citrus hops. I'm not getting too much overpowering hop aroma on this one. This uses Simpsons malt from Scotland and four American hop varieties at the rate of over three pounds per barrel. I am getting some more sweetness. I'm getting uh, probably Cascade, but it's not really coming across too citrusy. It's coming across more sweet. There's definitely a lot of hop coming off of this. This says it's 6% alcohol, and guess how many IBUs? I just took a sip, and I have to say 85. 100. 99 on the can, it says. Well, this is around 100. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, those that oof, that's bitter. Um, this crimson-hued ale, crimson ale delivers waves of citrus, pine, and caramel toffee. For those who favor flavor... Furious has the hop fire your taste buds have been screaming for. This is the most drinkable of the three. Which is surprising because of the, the large amount of bitterness compared to the other three. But I do think that there's a considerable malt backbone here to, to bring along the bitterness with it. I disagree. I think it's the least drinkable of the three. Crazy. I am crazy. <laughs> Both of us are crazy. I'm not sure which one I would find more drinkable. Probably the Bender, the brown ale. But the first two were very close together, and this third one, I'd say it's not as drinkable. The, the bitterness is lingering and building every sip. It's sitting in my tongue right now, saying, bitter, 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 bitter. It's really smooth. It really is smooth, smooth yes. But the carbonation doesn't wash the bitterness off. And I think by the end of this half glass, it's going to be quite, quite bitter. You're right. The bitterness is building. And it's building in sort of a stonish way. So my drinkability... <laughs> now, you know, I have kind of turned somewhat of a corner on stone. Uh, however, I do still have something against... Stone Brewing World Bistro and <laughs> Stone Brewing World Bistro and Gardens. Uh, I still have something against overt hoppiness that lingers on the tongue, and this one 
is overt hoppiness that's really starting to linger on the tongue. So I'm starting to go with you now. Mm-hmm. The first sip I thought was like, whoa, this is really, really good. And then it just kind of – it's not one of those that's self-cleaning. It's building. It's building. It's building. I, th- I think that the combination of the residual sweetness, the maltiness, it does finish dry because of all the bitterness in there. It just dries your tongue out. But there's a fair amount of malt there. And I think when you have a beer that is that – it isn't dry the whole way through. I think it kind of helps the bitterness cling and keeps the CO2 from washing it off your tongue. Every sip I taste is really great, and then the lingering aftertaste isn't all that great. Yeah, so the uh, the other surly that we'll be getting soon is um, Cynic Ale. I'm not sure what style that is. And the certainly that I really want to try is you a limited would, release, The Darkness. It's really darkness. It's Imperial style. You know what I would love with this? What's that? A gyro. Or a gyro. Wow. The cucumber sauce? I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing that would cut this, the uh, creamy cucumber sauce. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the rest of the gyro is just, you know, there. But well, I think, it's the lamb, and you get the, well, you know... But the, I think the, the cucumber stuff. sauce is the key contrasting component right, to this yeah. beer. I think the spiced lamb would help it, too. But, I, yeah, I mean, that, that cucumber sauce, the, the fat would really cut well with the bitterness. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, help it would, wash it off your tongue. It would go really well. I mean, I'm just thinking, man, a gyro right now would be heaven. Back before yeah. I moved over on this side of Cranberry... Right out where that dentist office is, you know, those little shops right over there? There was a gyro shop there. Man, there's so many times I wish that place was still open. I could <laughs> walk to a gyro shop. They had the lamb on the spool, spindle mm-hmm. and everything. It wasn't a, fake gyros. It was real gyros. There's a place near me that sells gyro meat. That sells, uh, it's called Pita Land. It smells, sells, you can get tabula there. You can get uh, baba ganoush. You mm-hmm. can get hummus, like real, you know, made hummus and pita. Mm-hmm. And you can get gyro meat there. And uh, even cucumber sauce, but I'm more kind of into the like the tabula. I love the okay. parsley salad, and I love the baba ganoush. And um, but yeah, gyros would just go so well with this. You certainly would. You want to get to ranking time? Already? Yeah. All three, right. Three beer early show. Quick one this week. So we got the uh, bitter brewer that's all ripped up here. <laughs> Quite funny. Okay. Um, do you want to include the pre-show beer? Not so much. All right. Uh, my rankings are pretty easy. It's the order we drank them in. Bitter brewer. It had some malt. It had some bitterness. It certainly was bitter. But there's a great contrast between the bitter brewer and the, and the furious. The bitter brewer washed all that bitterness off your tongue. The furious didn't. Mm-hmm. 4% Tremendous amount of flavor in that beer I have to give them props for packing that much flavor Into a low alcohol beer Like I said, I would buy a case of that if I could right now That would be a great summer drinker Fantastic Number two, I'm going to put the Bender Complex it, If I was picking the style that it's closest to I wouldn't say brown ale I'd probably say porter um, But the oatmeal The chocolate the hops, the everything. I really enjoyed the flavor on that one. And then the Surly Furious, it's, um, I think it needs to be drier. I think the sweetness in there really wrecks and lets the, the, I think the sweetness in there keeps 
the carbonation from scrubbing that bitterness off your tongue. And the bitterness just builds and builds, and it's not all that enjoyable for me. I mean, it doesn't taste bad. If you're a hophead and you want some bitterness, try it. You'll probably yeah. like it. There's nothing wrong with the beer. It's just, you know, there's nothing as, wrong with any of these beers, really. I mean, they're, they're, they're well-made right. beers. For an American IPA, there's a bunch I would... Would I choose the pre-show beer over it? Um, I think I would. Hmm. This one was... The Surly was over-aggressive. That one was underachieving. I'm not sure which one would win out. <laughs> tough call. I can't really say which one I'd pick over. Uh, I'm having a really tough time with my decision because... None of them were were hitting me like this is number one, and none of them were hitting me like this is number three. Uh, despite what I said previously, I think I'm going to have to agree with you on number one. I think the Bitter Brewer is probably the best of the three. It was a bit more aqueous than, than I kind of wanted, but it had a lot of flavor, sessionability. i got to give it props for that. It had a decent amount of drinkability. Um, I'm just trying to, to to remember because this, this other one is this furious is kind of hitting me, and now all I'm thinking about is gyro. So that doesn't <laughs> help. I think my number two is going to be furious, and probably because as I'm drinking it, I'm thinking about gyros. I'm thinking, man. Oh, that'd be so good. And I, I really, I, I did like that. Really, that first sip I had was just so right on. It's still lingering now, so it's not quite perfect. And the only reason why why Bender gets last is just because I really had a hard time wrapping myself around it because okay. it was this sort of multiple. Now here's what the heck is it beer? Here's a question for you. We both ranked Bitter Brewer number one, but I think we ranked it number one for entirely different at different reasons. at different levels too. One through a hundred, what number would you assign Bitter Brewer? Just an enjoyability. Oh, score. I have no idea. Not not a scoring, not a this gets this many points. See, I would give Bitter Brewer a seventy-five. I was thinking in the seventy range. Oh, okay. See, I thought you would say it's number one, but it's kind of a hard luck number one, and you would give it in the the fifties. No, the no, 60s. it's still a, it's still a, a, a good beer. Okay. I mean, I think these are all really good beers, and you know, I still think that they they hit you know seventy or or, or, or high. And 60s. this this isn't to this isn't mean to relate to any scale like beer advocate or anything. Right. Uh, Seventy five for beer advocate's kind of low. Um, it's just a hundred percent scale. I would give it a, a 100% plus. is like Beer to Mars yeah. from, I mean, it's, from it, Jolly Pumpkin for me. And that's, you know, that's anything a, below 50%. An absolutely amazing beer. So like anything below 50% tastes bad. So 75% is right in the middle of good beers. Yeah. And I would say, yeah. And I so, think that most good craft breweries are going to end up in the 70, 75% range. Yeah, Not a lot are going to get much higher than that. It's, it's going to be the exceptional beers that really grow. Well, yeah, if you look that. at a bell curve where the peak is fifty percent, right. right? Then I mean, seventy five is not bad. It's, you, a, it's, so. a, it's a, it's a, they're they're all decent beers. They're all worthy mm-hmm. of you having a taste. Absolutely. Okay. None of them are the beers that I would say you know that I would like go to if I was at a place with somebody. I wouldn't say that one mm-hmm. for any of the surlies. Yeah, I just wanted to get a judge for how high your number one is because. From what you were saying earlier, it seemed like it wasn't going to be as high as what you ended up picking in number four. And that's, I was just trying to quantify that. That's all. Well, now we know. And like I said, if I was trying to pick Bitter Brewer for a beer advocate score, I don't know because 
I'd have to go see, but I would assume it'd be in the high 80s, actually, for Beer Advocate score. I don't know. Don't want to make that score. Bitter Brewer, you want me to tell you what it is? Sure. Bitter Brewer ranks as an A-. minus. Oh, they don't have numbers anymore. That's right. That's right. So, what, but A- minus is what, 92, 91? I, I think it deserves an A-. minus. Um... Maybe not. I, it's hard to say. They're different scales. Think about it. we've done my, my curve, shows where you're just we're we're gonna do 118 like in a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Well, like I said, my 75 was this bell curve of all beers, which is a different scale than a grading scale of, out of 100, where you're saying five points for this, five points for that, five points for this. So it, it's a completely different scale. Where 50 percent is your average beer. Beer advocate, fifty percent is a beer you don't even want to drink with your right. your, your so, enemies. Okay, tongue. so so what would you call a fifty percent beer? Your average that, beer on our scale yeah. on the beer on the craft beer radio scale. Um, fifty rollovers would it be fifty percent beer? One that comes to mind would be like the um, the um, the Abbey Double from Clipper City is one that's coming to mind right now. Okay, wasn't bad, wasn't great, wasn't memorable. That's fifty percent. Okay. Um, what was that? Holy sheet. Holy sheet. <laughs> I think that's the double. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking like, what would hit even lower? Maybe like forty percent would be. That'd be the Wolliver's port or the Wolliver's Forty percent, maybe guard dog. I, I hesitate to really give the bearded guards numbers since it's not a style that I like right. you know, that much. Since we figured that out. Um. Um. Uh, the not Wolvers, but the Otter Creek, which is the same place. Right, there's Stovepipe Pale Ale that'd go in the 40s. There's a Stovepipe Porter. I'm sorry, but like say a 90 would be agave wheat. Would that be like 90, 94, even up? That there? would be high 80s, low 90s, somewhere in there. Yeah. I don't want to create the real. I don't really want to create the crappy radio <laughs> scale and have to give every beer a number that's that's yeah, you, relative you, you to. You really did open up a Pandora's box. Yeah, because when here. I give the scale, that means every beer that I give a number to has to be relative to every other beer I've given a number to. Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing them at one time and and moving no cards around on the table, you're going to screw up. So that's why I just like ranking what's on the show. So don't expect us to really open that Pandora's box and, and give everything a 1 through 100 CBR scale. We just want to kind of give – and like I said, 100 to me would be very clearly – and I've, I've elucidated this plenty of times – the Beard of Mars from Jolly Pumpkin. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Grand Reserve was 100 to me, no question. You know, 95 and above would be, yeah, so, uh, a lot of Russian River, <laughs> Lost Abbey. Uh, uh, Utopias. Dark Lord, yeah. Right. It's interesting how the scale, our, our, our natural scale is so different from what Beer Advocate uses. I think that we're kind of a different audience than Beer Advocate. Yeah. And I, I kind of hope, I mean, I, yeah, I, I hope and don't hope. I, I, bo- I both want and don't. I mean, I hope that our listeners have their own scales for themselves, mm-hmm. you know, that they, that, that they aren't listening to either Beer Advocate or us, but they're listening to what each, each, uh, thing is saying and then judging on their own. You know, like, okay, for example, um, Iron City, right? Beer Advocate probably gives it a 40 or so. 
I'd give it like a 13. <laughs> so. All right. So um, we babbled for enough after the beers have been drank. I think that's true. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. Please go buy our DVD. I'm, I'm sorry there's not going to be any great swag like last year, but come on. You love the show. You you can't go a whole week without listening to Beer Talk, and <laughs> you, you need the Craft Beer Radio. And 25 bucks. Come on. That's... I said twelve cents a, a. I said twelve cents an hour last week. That was a bit of a lie. I did the math, and that's like eight hundred hours of audio. We didn't do that many. Okay, it's, but it's uh, too much. If you really want us to, I suppose you can. But that would require every single one of you now <laughs> to give us twenty five bucks. Right. If you did that, if we had two thousand people donating to us twenty five bucks, two thousand five hundred people donating to us twenty five bucks, we could focus one hundred percent on craft beer radio. Yeah, go ahead, do that. We'll, we'll be happy to give you all the audio you want. But, you know, do we have to do the NPR pledge drive thing? It's not going to be someone else. It's going to be you. You have to call in and, and pledge $25. I can make tote bags. I don't know if you'll be very impressed with them, but I can make them. <laughs> you know, I'm a pretty good sewer, so I can sew the tote bags. There you go. But I don't have time to do that crap. No, he's got a baby. Yeah, so, you know, if you like this show, think about it. 25 bucks for a whole year. You can do it this year. Take a year off next year. I don't care. But. And let me And let me say how hard it is for us to do this. This is not easy for us to, to beg for money. So don't think that we're like here going, huh, let's, let's do money drive. We're, we're just, you know, we're thinking we want to make the show better and we can only do so much. And the fact that we have so many listeners means that maybe some listeners can help. And well, we you know, really the whole, appreciate the whole begging, begging for money thing too, it, it, it's a formula thing that works, right? There are people out there who won't donate because they feel badgered, but they will donate because they've been reminded a couple times. Right? right. So we're reminding badger, you a couple badger. times. We're not badgering. At least we hope we're not. So consider it. Think about it. And We're not badgering by our DVD. Not at all by our DVD. So don't think we're badgering And if you want to DVD. email us and tell us why we're not worth $25 a year, Send it in. Please do. We'd love to hear your reaction why you're not worth why it's not worth sending us the money. And we will respond. And if you want to send us an email, please we got one from somebody who didn't give us their real email address. Believe me, we'll respond to you. Give us sincere feedback. We appreciate it. If you want to give us candid really feedback, we don't care. If you want to give us anonymous feedback, use mailinator.com or something where we can reply to you. Yeah. Mailinator is an anonymous email thing. You can use it. Or post on our website with a you know with, with a bogus email, just so at least that you can. I don't want to say use a bogus email, but you know, but at least post on our website so we can respond because we we like having that conversation. And there's nothing that helps us more than constructive criticism. Thanks everybody for listening. Sorry for babbling for about 15 minutes after we finished drinking beers. No. Catch you guys later. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information.